Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode three. I'm going to call this the skills. Skill sets to be out in the bush period are are critical to your survival in any adverse situations and your level of comfort while you're out pursuing any of your outdoor adventures, whether you're hiking, geocaching, hunting, fishing. A lot of the skill sets that come about end up getting handed down from father to son, grandfather to grandson, those types of things. But there's a lot of people out there that weren't brought up that way, that were raised in town and didn't know how to start a fire, didn't know how to seek shelter, what to bring with them when they go places. I was one of those kids for a long time. Um, I think right up until I was about 25, I couldn't start a campfire without gasoline. Uh, that that brought about some frustrations. If anybody is listening to this has ever even used gasoline to try to light green wood on fire, which is fresh cut down wood that hasn't had time to dry, gasoline's not even really going to help you a whole pile. So there's a lot of there's a lot of resources out there to teach you what to look for and how to find dry wood and how to start with smaller tinder and kindling and work your way up to the to the logs that are going to last you for you know some hours what to cook on what to heat your heat up your water and boil your water with what to warm yourself up with you know there's different types of fires that you're gonna that you're gonna need to know how to make in different stages in the fire you know that'll that'll do those jobs do those tasks for you so this will eliminate you in certain situations having to pack around a jet boil or carry a lot of heavy water. That's one of the big things whenever you're doing any hiking, whether it's through hiking, day hiking, backpack hunting, is your water sources. How are you going to get clean water while you're out? Um, starting a fire... Starting a fire can be very difficult without the, without the correct knowledge and the tools. YouTube is what I use to, to start following bushcraft type content in order to build my experience level so that I could go out into the bush with a backpack and survive and build a shelter what did what were the tools that I needed how did I how did I get to go out stay overnight a night up to I think the most I've done so far is six nights and it becomes a real challenge the further you get out with it but what it does is it even just the research into those into those areas will give you a lot of the tools and a lot of the confidence to go out that little bit further if you're in an area anywhere like me, it's a densely populated hunting area. I mean, we're wide out in the open in northern Alberta. You know, there's a lot of untapped country out here, but if you go out hunting and you're not well off that beaten trail and the quad paths and the logging roads, you're going to see a lot of traffic. There's a lot of people there. Now, that's typically where people like to go hunting. They truck hunt up here a lot. 
And so if you're a fellow truck hunter, you're, you're driving around all day looking for something standing in the ditch. That's not the type of hunting experience I was ever after. I wanted to go out into the woods far out there where I wasn't running into anyone, be more in tune with nature and my surroundings and be able to really get the experience of the hunt. And that's been the most important pursuit since I started chasing big game. Backpack selection was where I started out when I first got into this. And like anybody who isn't sure if they're going to really like what they're trying for a new hobby, I went for cheap stuff. Some cheap stuff will do the job, but going on a site like Ally Express to buy a backpack to try to carry 60 pounds proved to be counterproductive. Being in shape is one thing, but how well your pack distributes the load on your shoulders and your hips is going to make that experience a lot more tolerable. The average person will carry anywhere from 20 to 40 pounds of weight in a backpack when they're hoofing around doing any number of tasks. I find I find I usually level out for a hunt somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 55 pounds before I factor in my rifle or bow. But I think we should get started with the skill set. Um, starting a fire. I chose to use a ferrocerium rod or a ferro rod and a striking steel. Now, a lot of guys on these bushcraft videos, they'll show you they're using the back of their knife. Not every knife is going to strike that fire steel properly. You need a carbon steel blade if you're going to do that. I find it best to find yourself an acceptable alternative other than the back of your knife just because it does create some chemical reactions onto your blade it's not nothing you can't wipe off but I think over a longer period of time you may find yourself having to get the back side of your knife trued up to a good sharp edge so that you can still strike that steel over and over and over again because over a period of you know say a three day long bushcraft experience if you're not on top of the firewood you can be starting that fire two three times a day or as you're going along on a progression you're you're going to start fires as you go and you're going to you are going to go through a fair bit of rod and a bit of life on the back side of that blade so finding yourself a good piece of steel to strike that ferrule rod with is going to make your life a little easier and it saves your knife for what it's intended for some knives have, you know, that purpose in mind and that's okay. Um, I've seen a lot of different ways to do it and you'll see a lot of them. If you want to take and see a good, a good solid example on YouTube of these skills, everything from not tying shelters, emergency use, ferro rod striking, your bushcraft schools, Pathfinder Survival is a great resource as well as corporal's corner 
Those two are some of the most informative with in-depth, close-up views of very good rules for when you're out and about. Um, they do a lot of pathfinding, orienteering. I have not spent much time with map work just for the simple fact that today you have access to satellites, to GPS, to any, any and all of these thing, apps on your phone, backroads, map books, your topography maps, and even your satellite image overlays on X-Hunt and iHunter. They all have those abilities and as long as you don't run out of battery juice or you're in an area where you've got some sort of an idea where you can download an image of that map you're going to be safe within a certain range to not need to carry a map and and know those things i think a backup compass is always a great idea i always have one with me i also have a watch it's a g-shock rangeman so it's got compass elevation barometric pressure your, and your other typical functions that you'll find so I, I carry that that's my backup I wear that watch every day I've had it for a long time and I would buy another one again but it never hurts to have a backup compass somewhere in your bag so when you're selecting firewood to start with you want to start small and work your way up if you happen to be in the right neck of the woods where you can find something that's super dry like your dead long buffalo grass works really well pine cones if you're in that neck of the woods those work really well otherwise a lot of these instructional videos will teach you how to make what's called a fire feather so that is you take about a one inch diameter dry stick give or take about a foot long and you'll cut that into quarters lengthways so you're going to open up and expose that inside wood and then you take your knife and you'll start shaving off big curls and you try to leave them as attached to the stick as you can so that when you're striking with your ferro rod towards the base of those curls it's going to increase the surface area and produce a flame when the ferrocerium ignites. Now the ferrocerium is basically an iron and steel blend that when you strike it with steel, it produces little white embers that come off of in the form of the iron, iron oxide. So that will get you going in the right direction. It is best to have some very small dry kindling nothing that's laying on the ground anything that's laying on the ground can absorb the moisture out of the ground you want something that's definitely dead standing poplar works really well for this willow dried old willow fires up really well and then from there you move up into your little bit bigger types of sticks so more to the the smaller branches of a tree once you get the flame above your fire source you can add in the next bit so I always like to start with my trusty favorite that can be found in a lot of places is birch bark. We have a lot of white birch up here and you take off the papery, easy to rip off stuff. You don't have to cut into the tree to take this stuff. It is a renewable resource. If you are walking by one in the woods, stop and fill your pocket or a Ziploc bag 
with any of the loose stuff that's hanging off of that tree, the paperier, the thinner, the better. It'll ignite easier and it stays burning with the natural resins inside that bark. That's a great way to start that fire with or without a fire feather. And from there you can, you can move up into the little bit bigger sticks here and there on stages. It's always a good idea to have a backup fire starting source. Everybody that wants to learn how to do this, I recommend you spend a lot of time in your backyard when you're out camping, playing with your ferro rod in case that's all you have. But I do recommend carrying a good old fashioned Bic lighter with some duct tape wrapped around the handle. If in the worst case situation, you can pull off some rolls of that duct tape and light it on fire it will sustain that flame long enough to get your smaller kindling and tinder to take off there is a lot of really good uh, information on making fire feathers from ta outdoors fellow over in the uk he does a lot of good stuff with that i would uh, i would recommend that as another useful page with some good content a lot of building of structures that uh, that fella does as well. So, you know, shout out to those guys. The next thing is water. Now, a life straw is a great thing. Life straw bottles, Grail makes good ones, um, Catadyne. There's all kinds of high-end water filters you can get your hands on that are going to do that job. And in the warmer temperatures or depending on your climate, that can, that can really make a difference for you. But if you live up in Northern Alberta or one of the, or you happen to be out hunting somewhere where those typical water sources are frozen up or at least frozen up enough that you can't safely access them, i.e. walking out onto some sheet ice to go try to get to the river's edge, that could be a very dangerous task. So being able to melt ice or snow by using fire in a container is going to be the only way that you're going to be able to safely procure water. So stainless steel and titanium containers are readily available on Amazon or any of your outfits. Um, Pathfinder Survival does do a really good kit. It is a little on the spendy side, but they are worth the money. But if you're on the cheap, you can find anything that's made of stainless steel that's a reasonable container and easy to pack. And then another typical water receptacle like your any of your canteens or you know your larger water bottles with the big mouth. And Nalgene is a very common one that people carry. I carry a Nalgene as well. And that's what you'll pour the contents of the water after you've boiled it by the fire into. I recommend something with a handle though, just that's easier to get a hold of with your gloves after the main part of the container has been heated up to the point where you boil the water. It's usually a little tough to hold on to. So once you've procured the water, you know, you can make yourself tea. You can, if you have instant coffee, if you're into that kind of thing in the bush, those things are always very handy to have. But the most important thing is boiling it to kill off any of the bacteria that may be in the water. You need to stay away from standing groundwater. You want to be trying to get your hands on anything that is moving. Otherwise, snow, you know, 
pick it up as, as you can, not just off of the ground where animals could have defecated on it. Uh, that can present a whole other few problems for you. I like to I like to practice this stuff. I practice it in the backyard. I've practiced it with my daughter. Um, went out hunting. We try to take our time at a stop and work on some of these skills while we're out and about in case you know an emergency ever does show up. We like to be as prepared as possible. I do also carry with me in extreme circumstances water treatment tabs. You can get a pack of a hundred of these things for about 15, 20 bucks off Amazon. They work really well. They may taste a little funky, but you can take any water that you can find anywhere and treat them to where, you know, you can drink it within four hours. So that, that may be the difference between you having, having a serious dehydration issue and not. So I recommend being prepared before you go. Um, anywhere from Cabela's to, um, what's another common store, Mech, Mountain Equipment Co-op. If you're in stateside, that's REI. There's lots of good outdoor stores where they have their own brands of backpacks. Somewhere in the neighborhood of a 30, 40 liter is going to do you the job that you need to carry any of your baseline supplies. And I don't think you have to spend a whole lot of money on a good knife. I've found one of the more reliable knives to go out into the bush with is a Mora. Uh, they have different varieties of them. Your typical stainless steel ones will not, as I mentioned, strike a fire steel. They do have carbon steel versions that are meant specifically for bushcraft. Some of them even come with a little ferro rod. I find getting a bigger ferro rod allows you to get a better purchase on it when you're trying to force the the steel down over it to strike the ferro rod. So I picked up myself a couple of six inch long by half inch diameter ferro rods and I just made a custom handle out of some wood. Um, thought that was more fitting. So when you're looking for... When you're looking for the knife, you don't have to go and spend $200 on a bushcraft knife. Anywhere from $15 for the baseline Mora companion knives to $60, $80 for your Mora bushcraft carbons and up from there. It's really user's preference. But I recommend starting small with the knives and trying. I mean, Amora is going to hold its edge for a very long time. They're easy to sharpen in the field if all you end up with is a small little dressing stone or a small little diamond uh, conical sharpener. They're very, they're very easy to use. They're kind of similar to what you would be sharpening a household kitchen knife with, you know, your, your big steel that comes in a typical knife block. They work in the same principle. So if you can practice those, if you can practice gathering the supplies needed to start even a small fire in a contained area in your backyard, if you have a fire pit or, you know, if you just have a patio and get a little steel ring or a truck rim or something that you can contain the, contain the fire. And I recommend practicing as much as possible before you go out and try it with a variety of sources, whatever is at hand 
whatever you typically find in the forest where you're planning on going is what you should practice with in your yard. The other skill sets are going to be finding shelter. If you're the type of person that's going to be out in a boat, hiking, hunting, geocaching, layers for clothing are a must. You know, a rain jacket at the bare minimum. In some cases, a good toucan mitts and an insulating layer, they're going to make the difference. Um, good footwear. Knowing how to pick good footwear and good quality gear I'm going to cover most of that layering items in another podcast here shortly. But I would strongly recommend doing the research on the layers, especially if you're going out in a variety of conditions. So pick yourself up a backpack to start with. It doesn't have to be big, doesn't have to be expensive. If you're just going to go out and start learning these skill sets, you're going to want something that's going to contain it. Rain pack cover so all your stuff doesn't get wet. If it has that or a waterproof backpack in itself. So put yourself together a kit. Go online and have a look and see the the bulk of the things that you're going to need. A good pair of gloves. When you're dealing with wood and sticks and a sharp knife, you're going to want just a halfway decent pair of gloves. Something industrial is fine. You don't have to get a big special leather pair of gloves but you know your 10 or 15 dollars for even a set of mechanics gloves that'll have some measurable protection against against you getting cut or getting slivers can make it a a lot more enjoyable out out in the bush the other piece of kit that is a good thing to have your hands on especially when you're out trying to start fires is a small pocket saw Anything from Canadian Tire, a folding saw is 20 bucks from there. They do the job really well. I picked up a cheaper one from Princess Auto, um, but I also did go and spend the money on a on a silky saw. That's a Japanese make. They're they're an exceptional saw, exceptional cut quality, and they're they're good workmanship. They don't have cheesy plastic handles that are going to break. They're very ergonomic and they're they're quite worth the money if you can afford those. A good saw and a good knife, those will help you out a lot while you're trying to process the wood necessary for the fire. Now, if you end up stuck in a spot where you're going to have to stay overnight, putting up a shelter of some kind to keep the, the wind or the rain and the snow off of you is going to be just as important as the fire. So once you get yourself to the point where you have the necessary ability to get your fire going and sustain it, so that means you've got a good bed of coals, you've got some good wood stocked up, it's time to start working on a shelter. And that can be as simple as a lean-to. Now what you need to think about when you're putting up a lean-to, whether it's a tarp or you're using natural debris, sticks, a deadfall, spruce boughs, any of those things, you're going to want to put that lean-to in a direction to protect you from the prevailing wind. There's a lot of areas where the wind does swirl, so you have to be conscious of that, but you definitely want your prevailing wind side. In our case over here, we have a westerly prevailing wind, 
So you want your back of that shelter with the protection pointing to the west. That can be as simple as stringing up a ridge pole or a ridge line with some knot work, with some paracord. I always carry paracord, every pack, every vehicle. I have some paracord in it. You can go as far as to wrapping up a sheath of your knife with it. That stuff will allow you to properly tie up any, any tarp or lash, any poles together that you need to provide shelter while you're out there. The debris side of it, um, you're going to want to start with a ridge pole. Not very tall. You, you want it a little more lower profile because you are going to be either sitting or laying down to conserve heat. And that's going to mean that you're going to want something that's sitting around about three foot off the ground, four foot off the ground. From there, you want to space out support rods across from the ground up to at an angle of course to your ridge pole space them out just enough that you can pack any spruce boughs you can find any leaves moss from the forest floor any of that to bridge the gaps in to help keep the rain and the wind off of you that's going to provide you insulation as well because the fire that you'll have going should not be so close that you risk setting your area on fire or blowing a lot of excess smoke into your lean-to. Another notable point is if you are in a conifer forest, that means anything with needles, pine, spruce, tamarack, those needles that die and fall off of the tree at the base are highly flammable. Now they can be found underground the same as peat moss if you're in a boggy area even though it's dried out what you want to do is either with a stick or your boot you want to scrape the area clean down to dirt or clay where you're going to be starting this fire so you don't start any underground fires or the fire doesn't walk away with you if you're in a very windy situation you're going to want to dig that down into the ground a ways so that you can still get the fire going but it, you're not running the risk of having the wind blow those sparks and start a forest fire one of the biggest considerations to doing anything in the woods is good stewardship we don't want to be starting forest fires and cutting down any live trees that we don't have to other than an emergency situation you always want to look for dead or dying trees that you can justify cutting down in the first place this is recreation for the most part, people. So digging down into a pit is going to be helpful for your fire to keep it from, from wandering off on you. It also gives you the ability to, once that bed of coals is settled down, is to easily suspend some form of food over that pit with just a couple of green sticks. And you would want to use green sticks when you're cooking on top of the fire so that they don't readily catch fire and they'll sit there longer while you're cooking your food. So now that we've covered those small points, the best thing to do is go out and practice. Go out and build a shelter, go for a walk. Go start seeing what you can find out in your area for natural resources for making the shelter and the fires. If you're choosing to go the way of carrying a tarp, 40 bucks will get you any tarp that you need to protect your person out in the woods on Amazon. They come with some guy lines. 
and they come with some stakes. Some of them come with a reflective inside coating. Now that is for reflecting heat back into you, whether you drape it over your body, kind of like a Mylar reflective blanket, those big tin foil looking things that people have wrapped around them after plane crashes and such. That's for maintaining body heat. Similarly set up on the inside of a lean-to, <coughs> excuse me, that can reflect the heat from a fire to warm your body in that small lean-to area. Another tool that you can use, especially if you have windy conditions or you need to reflect that heat back towards your lean-to, is what's called a firewall. So on the back side of the fire pit, this is where you'll use that wood that's laying on the ground that you can't use as dry firewood. It's going to be punky, half rotten, wet. You're going to take four stakes and you're going to put two with a gap on the left side, two with a gap on the right side. A gap is enough that you can fit these dead logs in between to stack them up in a form like a log house to make a single wall. That wall is going to be on the back side of the fire so that any of that heat will actually reflect off of that and it'll also keep any other gusting winds from blowing your fire around. The key is not to have it too close that it starts smoldering and catching on fire as well. A side note with the the punky wood or the partways rotten wood if you've cut down or if you've got a dead tree that's got the lower portion of the stump still on the ground, quite often that's pretty wet and spongy. What you can do with that is you can set that just off on the edge of your fire once it's down enough. And what it'll do is that'll start to smolder. But that smoke does help keep away bugs. Mosquitoes are huge up here. Not so much as they are even further north yet into the territories, but they are a pest. So if you take that little punky stump and just set it kind of on the edge of the fire, enough that it can you can see it start smoking. Move it in and out as you need to. That'll help keep the bugs down in your camp. I think that about wraps it up for the skill sets for now until we get into a few more of the specifics. I'm going to cut her short there. And we're going to resume with some layering guides and some, some cloth and fabric selection depending on the weather that you're going out in. So tune in for the next episode.